Hello, welcome back to Wrestling How They Said Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2. I am here to bring you your wrestling highlights of the week for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, and Impact Wrestling. And without further ado, let's start the show. We will have Monday Night Raw to start off the week, and this is their 30th anniversary. To open it up, we will have Hulk Hogan and Jimmy Hart to introduce the show. And during the introduction, Hulk's mic would cut out time and time again, so they would have to give him a new mic. But it's ultimately just Hulk just saying that he's happy to be here, 30th anniversary of Raw, blah, blah, blah. After this, we will get a opening uh, video package of... 30 years of Monday Night Raw, they'll show highlights of past episodes of Raw, but after that, it'll be the main segment to open the show up, which is the Bloodline Trial. It is the trial of Sami Zayn, and Paul Heyman is the prosecutor, and Sami Zayn will have to defend himself. They scrapped the whole um, coronation of Roman Reigns. I don't know the reason why. There's been rumors and speculations about it. I don't know the official details, but they decided to scrap the whole deal, and this was what we get. But this was still a masterful segment. Paul Heyman starts off by saying that he never trusted Sami Zayn. And from day one, Sami has been conspiring with Kevin Owens to take down the tribal chief. Paul would play past clips of Sami running away from confrontations when the bloodline were getting beat up, not handing the Usos a chair when they faced Kevin Owens in the past. And once the clips were done, Paul would ask the Tribal Chief to find Sami Zayn guilty as charge. Now, it's time for Sami to speak, and he would tell Paul that listening to everything that Paul has said about him, it hurts, because he knows what he's done for that family, and everyone in the arena can see the truth, and that he is with the bloodline. Sami would say that he had a whole defense lined up for himself, but after hearing everything that Paul Heyman had to say, he would say that, to be honest with you, I have no defense, and he will put the mic down. When Sammy does this, this would piss Roman Reigns off to a high point, and Roman would just tell Sammy that you have no defense. After all that, you have nothing to say for yourself. You, you're just going to give up, just like that. You aren't going to fight for this. Roman feels that he's been slighted by this because he's given Sammy chance after chance after chance, and Sammy just wants to throw this whole thing away. So Roman would just shout out Solo's name and just put the mic down in anger, and we all know what that means. Solo would start walking over to Sammy. He would grab Sammy by the shoulder, and Solo was about to hit Sammy with a small spike, but Jay Uso would run over to Solo and grab him by the arm, and this would shock Roman, Solo, Paul, and everyone in the arena, to be honest. And Jay would look at Roman and tell him, with all due respect, Tribal Chief, I have a couple clips to play for, my, play for Sammy. And it's basically clips of Sammy being the defender of the bloodline whenever uh, the Usos were going against different opponents and helping them retain their championships on multiple occasions. Sammy taking the bullets for Roman and Solo when they were being attacked and moving them out of the way so he could take the blunt of the attack. And also Sammy hitting Kevin Owens with a low blow at War Games. After the Eclipse will play, Jay will let Roman know that Sammy has taken multiple bullets for the bloodline and he will call Sammy basically bulletproof. Jay will tell Sammy that he is like a brother to him and everyone knows that he didn't like Sammy at the beginning, but now he trusts him wholeheartedly. And he will tell everybody in attendance that if they want Sammy to still be a part of the bloodline to raise their ones in the air. And everybody in the crowd would do it and Jimmy would get up, and he would put his one in there. So he uh, aligned himself with Jay in this affection. So it's time for Roman Reigns' answer, and we would get Roman Reigns' answer to this whole thing. Does he find Sammy guilty, or does he find him innocent? As your tribal chief and the head of the table, I find you, Sammy Zayn, not guilty. For now. I want you to look at Jay and I want you to thank him because he bought you more time. And in the meantime, this is how it's gonna go. Finish out tonight, make the bloodline proud. And then I don't wanna see you again until Saturday at the Royal Rumble. Do you understand me? I don't wanna see you, I don't wanna hear from you, I don't wanna hear that you're at a show, nothing. Go home and then I will see you at the Royal Rumble and that is where you're gonna deliver your final test. And then we're gonna see 
if Sami Zayn really is the bloodline or not. So as you can hear, Roman Reigns has declared that Sami Zayn is still part of the bloodline for now. And you heard Roman's conditions. Sami Zayn has to make the bloodline proud the rest of the night and through the rest of the week. He does not want to hear of Sami. He does not want to see Sami until the Royal Rumble. And then that's whenever you hear of Sami's final test. And more than likely, it'll probably be Roman telling Sami, yo, you got to help me beat KO at the Royal Rumble. Some of that occasion, but we'll have to see when that time comes. But after this segment would end, Roman would leave with Paul Heyman and Solo, and we would get to the first match of the night for the Raw Tag Team Championships. The Usos with Sammy in their corner, going against the Judgment Days, Damian Priest, and Dominic Mysterio with Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley in their corner. Now, the Usos, or shall I say Sami Zayn and Jay Uso, would win this match because towards the match with the Usos and Finn, well, not Finn, Damian and Dominic, Jimmy Uso would technically get an injury, and the referee would throw the X up. This is all in storyline purposes because when Jimmy is down and he feels like he can't continue to go on, the ref throws the X up, and when you throw the X up, that means for them to send medical personnel down there, like this is a legitimate injury, and Adam Pierce comes down there, and he tells Jay that, yo, Jimmy can't continue, so that's like, we're going to have to deem this match over, and we're going to have to give the belts over to the Judgment Day. And Sammy would tell Adam Pierce, no, 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 no. You don't have to do that. I'll take over for Jimmy and let me and Jay continue the match on. And Jimmy would side with Sammy on this. And so with Jay, Adam would say, I did it for the Judgment Day, so I'm going to do it for you guys. So he would let Sammy take the spot of Jimmy, and it would be Jay and Sammy going against Damian and Dominic Mysterio. And in the end, Jay and Sammy would hit the 1D on Dominic and Sammy would pin Dominic to retain the Raw Tag Team Championships. So the Usos are still technically your Raw Tag Team Champions. But Sammy took over for Jimmy in this occasion here. Now, after this, we would get LA Knight coming down to the ring. And LA Knight, what happened to mention what happened on SmackDown with Bray Wyatt bringing back the Firefly Funhouse. Knight mentions that Bray is living on his past glory. And that is like all the past legends in the back living in their past glory, because this is Raw 30, you have legends in the back. So LA Knight would issue a challenge for any legend to come out. And at first, no one would come out. And then you would hear Undertaker's signature gong. And then the lights would go out. And then you would see the purple hue lights appear. And instead of the demon Undertaker coming out, we get American Badass Undertaker. For those that don't know, American Badass Undertaker is the Undertaker that would ride a motorcycle. He talks normal. He's just like an everyday normal guy instead of the whole caricature of the Undertaker where everybody knows of him. So Undertaker comes out. He rides a motorcycle. Undertaker will get in the ring. LA Knight will leave the ring and he will start talking junk up the ramp towards the Undertaker. And once he does this, the lights will go out. Bray's music would hit and Bray would be standing behind LA Knight. Now, Knight would start walking back towards the ring, and once he gets in the ring, he was still focused on Bray that, once he turned around, the Undertaker grabbed Knight by the throat. Undertaker will hold LA Knight until Bray would get in the ring. Knight would be thrown over to Bray, and then Bray would get LA Knight and hit him with Sister Abigail. Bray Wyatt would then get up, and him and Undertaker will look at one another. Undertaker would go over to Bray and just say something to him in his ear, and then leave the ring get on his motorcycle, and then ride off to the back. This was a nice segment here because for many years, Undertaker was supposed to pass the torch of the creepy, uh, spooky character off to somebody in Bray Wyatt for the years that he was in WWE before he got released. That was always the guy that everybody saw Undertaker passing the torch over to. And they even had a match at WrestleMania uh, 31 and Undertaker beat him there. So we had that match there, and we thought, okay, Undertaker's going to pass the torch to Bray at that one. Nope. So now he seems that he passed the torch over to Bray. And the funny thing about this is that both of them are not in their creepy character uh, attire when they do this. Both of them are wearing, like, human, normal, everyday wear clothing. So that's the funny nuance to this, but it seems that Undertaker has finally passed the torch to Bray Wyatt, and it was a good moment to see from both of these guys. Now, after this, we were supposed to get the steel cage match between Becky Lynch and Bailey that was advertised, but it never officially happens because when Becky comes down to make her entrance, she will be attacked by Io and Dakota. 
Bailey would join in on the beatdown. Dakota would hit Becky in the stomach with the chain before sending her in the cage. Now you have Io, Dakota, and Bailey attacking Becky some more. Dakota will shut the door and lock the cage, preventing the referee from coming in and separating damage control from beating up on Becky. Adam Pierce would come down with bolt cutters, cut the chain open, but it was kind of too late. Damage control were already done with their beatdown of Becky Lynch, and they would climb the cage and just celebrate as the referees and officials will look after Becky Lynch. Now, people online were upset by this that WWE advertised a steel cage match and they didn't deliver on it. Me personally, I don't have no problem with it. And I'll say this for this reason. Bailey was not going to win that match. If she was, then no harm, no foul here. But if she wasn't going to win that match, I'm glad they pulled it off and didn't do it. Because ever since Bailey has came back from SummerSlam, her injury, she has been on a downward spiral. It has not been anything good for Bailey at all, the character at all. She has not won a championship. She has not done anything. The only thing that she has done is bring back Dakota, and she's brought up EO from NXT and helped them get the tag team titles. But other than that, she has done nothing on the main roster. That's my whole problem with the whole Bailey situation and damage control situation. Damage control was supposed to come up, run rough shot on Monday Night Raw, hold all the gold, but that did not happen. Bianca Belair is still your Raw Women's Champion, which I have no problem with, but Bailey should have won the title and then have Bianca beat her somewhere down the line if you wanted to do that. But that is not the case. Becky is here and she has challenged Bailey, and Bailey was seeming to probably gonna lose this feud since she lost her last feud with Bianca. I mean Bailey just didn't win nothing. So for her to beat down on Becky in this steel cage match not to happen, I'm cool with it because it didn't seem that Bailey was going to win this one. So I'm not here for the whole slander of the whole WWE not uh, doing the steel cage match. Yo, dog, if Bailey was not going to win, I don't care to see it. I'm just going to be blunt honest. It's time for Bailey to get her just due. And hopefully, before this episode's over and I'm going to get my Roy Run predictions, I have an idea with what I want to see done with Bailey. So we would get that segment out of the way. DX would come down to the ring and behind them will be Kurt Angle tailing behind them. You have Road Dog, you have X-Pac, you have Shawn Michaels, you have Triple H, no Billy Gunn. And once they're all in the ring, they do their whole suck it stuff. Kurt Angle would follow behind with them. And now you have Road Dog doing his introduction the same way that he would do with the New Age Outlaws. And he says his part. And when he's about to get to Billy Gunn's part, he turns over, you see all the members of DX turn over, and they see Kurt Angle standing there. They were not paying attention, none of this time. And they realize he's there, and they say, what are you doing here? Kurt would answer and say, I always wanted to be in DX. And so he would unveil his shirt, and he would have a DX shirt on, and they would just bypass that, and they would just about to continue on with their usual entrance. But Imperium would come out to interrupt. Appearum would get in the ring and start chastising DX for being degenerates and for tarnishing this great sport. And now you will see like members of DX like get up in the face of Imperium and they look like they're about to do something, but they will have to pull back because they'll start saying that they're retired and they have injuries. But we would get some active wrestlers to come out to stand up for DX, which would be Seth Rollins and the Street Profits. And now, you would need an official to come out here to make a match between Imperium, the Street Profits, and Seth Rollins, which would have Teddy Long coming out, who would make the match official for a six-man tag match, and Kurt Angle would be the special guest referee. So, we have that match, and Seth and the Street Profits will win that match by pinfall, when Giovanni Vinci would eat a spine buster, a frog splash, and then finally a curb stomp for the win, and Seth and Street Profits won the six-man tag match here after this we will have rick flair coming out and he's out here to talk up his daughter which leads to charlotte coming out she goes to the ring charlotte would name some of the top current women talent on the roster and certain women in the past and say without them she wouldn't be able to be the best woman's wrestler right now in the wwe and the outcomes bianca belair she would applaud charlotte for her accomplishment but tell her that this is monday night raw this is her show and that she is the EST of WWE, and then out would walk Sourpuss Sonya Deville, just being a complete hater. Sonya would say that while both of these ladies are out here taking up time from people that actually deserve the spotlight, 
like someone like her, Charlotte would insist that Bianca would handle Sonya Deville. So we would get Bianca Belair going against Sonya Deville right here. Bianca would win the match by pinfall when she hits the KOD on Sonya. After the match, Bianca would get the mic and say that what we just saw her do to Sonya was a preview to what she's going to do to Alexa Bliss at the Royal Rumble and say Alexa Bliss' name and Alexa would appear. She would appear on the screen and tell Bianca that she doesn't need to worry about Bray Wyatt, Uncle Howdy. Bianca needs to just worry about her. And at the Rumble, she's going to take the Raw Women's Championship away from Bianca Belair. Now, with that out of the way, we would see The Miz come down to the ring. And The Miz would complain about not being on the show, not being involved in a championship match, not having a Miz TV segment, or Raw showing any of his most awesome clips that he's had on Monday Night Raw. And as The Miz would complain, you would hear the fans cheer, and they would be cheering for Kevin Owens, who appears from the crowd, walks in the ring behind The Miz, turns around, and hit him with a stunner. Kevin Owens would then get the mic, and he would talk directly to Roman and say that he might have found Sammy not guilty, but Roman is guilty of holding the championships hostage for the past two years. And at the Rumble, Kevin Owens is going to make it his mission to rescue the championships from Roman Reigns or die trying. Also, I want to add a little note here. Kevin Owens is still wearing his Jay Briscoe tribute armband, so I like that little added detail that Kevin Owens is still wearing the armband to still show love and support towards the Briscoe family, especially that he lost a friend, Jay Briscoe. Now, after this, it's time for the main event, the no disqualification match for the United States Championship, Austin Theory versus Bobby Lashley. Austin Theory would win the match by pinfall thanks to help from Brock Lesnar. Now, towards the end of the match, you have two tables set up in the middle of the ring. Well, one in the corner, one in the middle of the ring. Bobby would uh, put Theory through the table with a one-handed spine buster. And then you will see in here Brock Lesnar's music. And Brock would come down to the ring. Brock would get in the ring, F5 Bobby Lashley. And then he would look at Austin Theory's body, pick him up, and F5 Theory on top of Bobby and Theory's laying on top of Bobby, so the ref will make the count. And when he makes the count, Bobby doesn't, like, kick up or anything. So, one, two, three. Theory is still your United States champion. And now you can basically tell what's probably going to happen. Brock's probably going to enter the Royal Rumble, and we're going to have the big showdown between Bobby and Brock. But we'll just have to wait and see with that. But to close out Raw 30th anniversary, Austin Theory is still your United States champion here. And that is your Raw Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, off to NXT. It was announced on the show that at Vengeance Day, Carmelo Hayes will be going against Apollo Crews in a 2 out of 3's Falls match. Now, to start the show off, we have a match with Indy Harwell going against Tiffany Stratton. Tiffany would win the match by pinfall by faking a knee injury and having the ref back Indy off of her. As Tiffany would continue to hold her knee, the ref would ask for medical to come down to the ring, and as medic would come to the ring, Tiffany would run over, hit Indy with a forearm to the face, and then grab her up, hit a steamroller, then go to the corner and hit the best moonsault ever on Indy Hartwell for the win. So Tiffany's back on NXT, and she has a win chalked up in the winner's uh, column for herself here. After this, we had Andre Chase's award ceremony. Andre Chase is out here dressed like a college dean, and he's out here to give Thea Hale an award for winning her first ever NXT match last week. And as he gives Thea her award, JD McDonough will come out and just sour the whole thing, calling that award a participant award. JD would tell Andre to get that crap out of his ring because JD is dressed to compete, and he says Andre looks like an idiot. Andre would retort and tell JD that he has taught his students that when you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. So that's what Andre would open up his jacket and then he will punch JD in the face. So we have a match between JD McDonough and Andre Chase, who has Thea Hale and Duke Hudson in his corner. JD would win the match by pinfall when Andre Chase was on the top turnbuckle. JD would hit the ropes, making Andre drop from the top turnbuckle onto the mat. And as Andre looks over at Thea Hale and Duke Hudson, he reaches over to Duke, and Duke would just walk to the back. And Andre would look confused by this, and then Andre would get pulled in by J.D. McDonough and get hit with the devil inside, which is a pulling Saito suplex, and J.D. would cover him for the win. 
Now, later in the night, we would get a backstage segment where Duke explains to Andre Chase and Thea Hill where he went. Duke would tell them that he went to Shawn Michaels' office and asked to be a part of the New Day Invitational next week. Shawn would tell Duke that he needs to ask the New Day, so which he does. And Duke will let Andre know that they are in that match. So next week on NXT, it'll be Andre Chase and Duke Hudson going against the Schism, going against Idris Anafe and Malik Blade, where the winners of that match will be added to the NXT Tag Team Championship match at Vengeance Day. So it'll be a fatal four-way match with the New Day defending the NXT Tag Team Championships against Pretty Deadly and Gallus and the winner of this three-way tag team match next week. Now, after this, we have Ivy Nile and Tatum Paxley going against Keanu James and Fallon Henley with Briggs and Jensen in their corner. Kiana and Fallon would win the match by pinfall when Ivy Nile had the Dragon Sleeper locked in on Fallon. Kiana would tell the referee to look at Tatum Paxley. When the referee does this, Kiana would take this advantage and opportunity to grab Ivy by her hair and slam her to the mat. Ivy would then get up and knock Kiana to the floor. Ivy would then try to run the ropes, but Kiana would trip Ivy up, and this would allow Fallon to hit Ivy with the Shining Wizard as Kiana would go over to Tatum and hold her legs as Fallon would cover Ivy for the win. Now, later in the night, you would see Jensen go over to Briggs and Fallon, and he tells them the exciting news that he went to Shawn Michaels' office, and he got a match with Kiana and Fallon to go against the NXT Women's Tag Team Champions at Vengeance Day. Briggs and Jensen seem happy about this. Fallon doesn't. Fallon's upset that Jensen went over to Shawn Michaels' office and asked for a match when he didn't even talk to her about it. She said this was going to be a one-time thing teaming with Kiana. So she feels upset by this. She says, I'm going to have to take some time to think about it, and she will walk away. We will get her answer by the end well, before the end of NXT was over with. After this, we had Hank Walker and Drew Gulak going against the Creed Brothers. The Creed Brothers would win the match by pinfall when Drew was focused on Charlie Dempsey, who appeared towards the end of the match. And Hank would have to fend off the Creeds by himself, but he would succumb to Brutus hitting a Brutus ball, which is a cannonball from the top turnbuckle, onto him for the win. Now, after the match, Ivy Nile would come down to the ring and the Creeds would apologize to her for acting like jerks for the past couple weeks and the creeds would say that they are back to being the old creeds the one that won the dusty tag team classic and the ones that won the nxt tag team championships now you would have jinder mahal and indy sheer come out jinder mahal would throw out the challenge to the creeds for a match next week the creeds going against indy sheer since both teams are now 100 percent the Creeds would accept, so we have the Creeds going against Indy Shear next week on NXT, finally. Now, after this, we have Wendy Chu going against Electra Lopez with Valentina Forez at ringside watching the match. Electra would win the match by pinfall when she used brass knuckles on Wendy Chu for the win. Valentina Forez was not happy about this. She tried to alert the referee when it was happening, but the referee wasn't paying attention. So Electra was able to still use the brass knuckles on Wendy Chu. Now, after this, we had Grayson Waller coming down to the ring. Grayson Waller would mention what he did to the PC and Braun Breaker by punking him out. And he's talking about a video that floated on Instagram and Twitter and social media in general. Grayson Waller would go up to the PC. He'll enter. He sees Braun Breaker uh, training in one of the rings. He starts barking at uh, Braun Breaker insulting him, yada, yada, yada. He throws water bottles at Braun, which makes Braun leave the ring and just basically charge at Grayson Waller at the PC uh, Monday afternoonish. So that's the reference that uh, Grayson Waller was referring to, the event that he was referring to. Grayson would constantly talk about he's punking Braun out. He constantly talks crap and crap about Braun, and Grayson would unveil that he is wearing a replica NAC championship and says that he is the uncrowned champion. Now, you will go backstage, you will see Braun Breaker in the locker room watching a monitor, and he's just start. You can see it in his face, he's starting to lose it. So, Braun will leave the locker room, and you start seeing him make a beeline directly to the ring, and you start seeing him walking backstage. Everybody backstage is trying to calm Braun down, but Braun is just steamrolling everybody. He's just walking past him, just going and going. 
Grayson Waller would still continue to talk trash. And once Braun comes down to the ring, you see lots of members from the men locker room come out to separate both Braun Breaker and Grayson Waller. Now, both men would get at one another, but they'll be separated. And as both men try to continue to get at each other, Braun would push and punch people to try to get closer to him. Braun would then see Grayson Waller outside of the ring. He will leave the ring and he tries to get to Grayson yet again. But this time he actually moves people out of his way and he goes to spear Grayson Waller. But Grayson would move out of the way, which makes Braun smash through the barricade. And everybody sees this. Everybody's shocked by this. They say, oh, oh, and it's a silence in the NXT arena here. Grayson Waller would get up. He looks shocked by this, but then he quickly grabs the real NXT championship and holds it up in the air. And he tells Braun that he only has a couple more days with that championship before it becomes his. So Grayson Waller still again proving that he is able to mess around with Braun Breaker mentally instead of physically. Because the only way he's going to beat Braun Breaker at Vengeance Day. Now, after this, we had the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship matchup. It was supposed to be a handicap match with Alba Fire going against the champions, Keanu Chance and Kaden Carter, but Sol Ruka would come down to the ring and she would tell Alba Fire that she would be here as her partner and Alba Fire would begrudgingly agree to it. So we have a standard tag team matchup here, but in the end, Kaden Carter and Katana Chance would retain their championship by pinfall when they, the champions, hit their neckbreaker 450 splash combo on Sol Ruka for the win. Now, after the match, Kiana, James, and Fallon Henley would appear on NXT Perch. They'll look at the champions, Kaden and Katana, and let them know that they will see them at Vengeance Day for the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship. So the match becomes official. At Vengeance Day for the NXT Women's Championship, Kaden Carter and Katana Chance going against the challengers, Kiana James, and Fallon Henley. Now we go to the main event segment, Championship Summit, with Gigi Dolan, JC Jane, and Roxanne Perez with Booker T kind of hosting as the guests, but we really didn't need Booker T for this segment because it was all about Gigi and JC throwing harsh accusations at one another. You had JC telling Gigi that she was the backbone of that tag team. She was the one holding Gigi up. Gigi was the one holding her back, and yada, yada, yada. Gigi would retort by saying that JC can say whatever she wants, but deep down, JC has some insecurities. She mentions how JC has to puke before she always comes out to the ring and all that type of stuff. But ultimately, in the end, it was nothing but a complete ruse. You have them basically just trying to make everyone believe that they're not on the exact same page. This is actually going to be a legit triple threat match instead of a handicap match at Vengeance Day for the Women's Championship. And it actually pulls off because Roxanne, Booker T, and everybody's just enjoying Gigi and JC tearing each other down to the point that Roxanne gets up and say, listen, it doesn't matter what you two women are going to say, but at the end of the day, at Vengeance Day, I'm still going to walk out as NXT Women's Champion. And Gigi and JC just bypass everything Roxanne says. They get into each other's face, and it looks like those two are about to come to blows, but they just smile at one another. They look at Roxanne, they bounce her face off of the table, they beat her up some more before they finally just hit a double choke slam on Roxanne through the table. And to end NXT, you will see Gigi and JC hold up the NXT Women's Championship. So, again, Toxic Attraction is back on the exact same point. And at Vengeance Day, Roxanne Perez is going to have to go through both Gigi and JC to retain her NXT Women's Championship. And that is your NXT Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now we're off to AEW Dynamite. And Dynamite will open up with Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara with Daniel Garcia in their corner going against Ricky Starks and Action Andretti. Sammy Guevara will get the win for his team by pinfall with Daniel Garcia's help. When Ricky Starks will hit Chris Jericho with the Rochambeau outside of the ring, Sammy Guevara will jump off the turnbuckle onto Andretti, who's in the ring and Andretti will catch Sammy Guevara and put him in the torture rack position and Sammy would hold on to the ropes. Sammy would get off Andretti's shoulders and distract the referee. When he does this, Daniel Garcia would get on the ring apron and hit Andretti with the baseball bat in the head. Sammy would then grab Andretti and hit the GTH for the win. So that gives the Jericho Appreciation Society at least some 
type of win in the win column against Action Andretti and Ricky Starks since they have been getting all the wins over the Jericho Appreciation Society in these past weeks. Now, after this, they will play a video tribute for Jay Briscoe because in the main event of AEW Dynamite, his brother Mark Briscoe will be going against Jay Lethal. Now, after the video tribute would play, it was now time for the TNT Championship match where Buddy Matthews with Julia Hart in his corner will be going against the champion Darby Allen, who has Sting in his corner. Darby would win the match by pinfall when he would hit the coffin drop on Buddy Matthews when he was in between the middle ropes. Now, after the match, Tony Schiavone would come down to the ring and interview Darby Allen about his TNT Open Challenge wins that he's had in these past few weeks. And before Darby could even say anything, Samoa Joe would appear on the screen and let Darby know that he's coming back to take his TNT Championship away from Darby. And it will be announced later in the night that next week, Samoa Joe will be going against Darby Allen for the TNT Championship in a no holds barred match next week. Now, after this, we would get a tag team matchup of Matt Hardy and Ethan Page with Stokely Hathaway and Isaiah Cassidy in their corner going against Jungle Hook, which is Jungle Boy and the FTW champion, Hook. Jungle Hook would win the match by submission when Matt Hardy had the match won when he was going to hit Jungle Boy with a twist of fate, but Ethan Page would tell Matt to tag him in. Matt would reluctantly tag in Ethan Page, and when Ethan got in the ring, Ethan looked to hit the twist of fate but Jungle Boy would reverse it and lock in the snare trap on Ethan, and Ethan would tap out. So Ethan Page's own ego basically cost him his match here with Jungle Hook, and Ethan would try to blame Matt Hardy for this after the fact. So this might be leading to a match between Ethan Page and Matt Hardy somewhere down the line with both of these men here. Now after this, we would go to a backstage segment of the Acclaim and Billy Gunn with the Guns having, well, therapy or group therapy. The Guns will tell Billy Gunn that they have always come second to him. First, it was whenever they were kids. The road was first for Billy. Now, as the adults, the Acclaim are first instead of the Guns. Anthony Bowens of the Acclaim will say that the Guns have had opportunity to mend fences, but they didn't, and they really crossed the line when they put their hands on Billy Guns. Max Caster would rub salt in the wounds by telling the Guns that when they were with Billy... The three of them, they were great, but they aren't the acclaim with Billy. They aren't the number one top-telling t-shirt uh, people in AEW. They're not the tag team champions. The Guns would then recall when Anthony Bones was hurt and in a wheelchair at some point in 2022. They were the ones to right beside Max to pick up the slack. And also, when Bones got healed and out of his wheelchair, he hit Austin Gunn with a clutch. Billy will stop all this bickering between both of the teams and ask the Guns, what do they want to make them happy? And the Guns will say they want the tag team championships, then leave. So as we're still showing and seeing, the Guns and the Acclaim were building to a tag team match between both of the teams, and more than likely, Billy Guns will be stepped like in the middle of this. Will he join the Guns to finally ride out with his sons as tag team champions, or will he ride with the Acclaim and picked his, well, adopted kids over his real kids. Time will tell. I hope that the Guns win without Billy Guns helping this. I hope it's just strictly the Guns versus the Acclaim. But wrestling's wrestling, and we just go, all gotta wait when the time rolls out to see if Billy Guns is gonna be still with the Acclaim, or he might turn on them and actually join the Guns, and we actually get a proper father and son's uh, situation between these three. Now, after this, it's time for Brian Danielson to go against... Brian Cage with Prince Nana in his corner. Brian Danielson would win the match by pinfall when Cage powerbombs Brian, and then he goes for the second powerbomb, and when he lifts him up, Brian would reverse it into a pin for the win. Now, throughout this whole match, Brian Cage was targeting Brian Danielson's arm because last week MGF uh, paid him money to basically try to injure Brian Danielson, break his arm, if you will. So, as he did this, this was basically be Brian Cage's downfall because that's all he was trying to do in this match. Now, after the match, Cage would attack Brian and hit Weapon X on Brian Danielson. Then MJF would come down to the ring and he would get a steel chair. MJF would tell Cage to slam Brian's shoulder into the ring post, which Cage does. But before he does so, he puts Brian's arm in the chair first and then he slams that arm into the ring post. MJF would then tell Cage to put Brian in the ring. Cage would do it, 
and then Max would start pounding onto Brian Danielson. Cage would then put Brian's arm in the chair once again, and MGF would get on the second turnbuckle, looking to jump off the chair and stomp on it. But Takeshita would come down to the ring and save Brian Danielson. MGF would leave the ring as Brian Cage is taking on Takeshita. Takeshita would take care of Brian Cage with a jumping knee, knocking Cage out of the ring. And later in the night, it was announced that next week, Brian Danielson will be facing Timothy Thatcher. After this, we had Tony Storm going against Ruby Soho. It was supposed to be Tony Storm versus Ruby versus Britt Baker, but it got changed to just a singles matchup here because it was announced uh, at the beginning of the show that Britt Baker got injured. So that's the reason why she was not be able to partake in this matchup here. But that doesn't mean that we didn't see Britt Baker because Ruby would win the match by pinfall when Tony was going to hit Storm Zero, but Britt Baker's music would hit and Britt Baker would walk out on the entrance stage. Now, this would distract Tony Storm, and this would allow Ruby to grab Tony and hit Destination Unknown for the win. And Ruby will look at Britt Baker on the stage, and she just doesn't know what to make of this. So, again, we're building more into the whole uh, girls from the industry outside of AEW going against homegrown talent here, again, with Soraya and Tony Storm being the women of the industry outside of AEW with Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter being the homegrown talent of AEW. And this is still the whole them versus us mentality that we're having here in the women's division. Now with Ruby being someone from the outsider, but she has been ingratiated into the women's division of AEW, it's more than likely going to look like she's going to have to pick a side. Is she going to be with the side of the women that are homegrown or is she going to be picking the side of the women that came from other places to come to AEW? Time's going to tell. I see that's where we're probably going to lead with this with uh, Ruby Soho here. Ruby's probably going to be picking the homegrown talent side. That's where I see her allegiance lying, but time will tell and we'll have to wait probably next week to see if this will storyline will continue to uh, unveil here. Now it's time for the main event. The Jay Briscoe dedication matchup of Jay Lethal going against Mark Briscoe. And boy, was there not a dry tear in the eye of Jay Lethal here. Jay Lethal, at the beginning of the matchup, you could tell he wanted to cry so bad because he missed his best friend, uh, Jay Briscoe here. And Mark Briscoe had to tell Jay, it's all right, we got to get through this. Because you could tell as soon as the bell rung and they do the whole uh, handshake of honor deal where both competitors go in the middle of the ring and they shake hands. You could just see it in Jay Lethal's face that he wanted to cry, and Mark has to like tell him, "Hey, let's get through this. Let's power through it," which they do. And uh, Mark Briscoe would win the match by pinfall when he would hit the J Driller for the win. Me personally, when I was watching the match, I thought he was going to hit the J Driller and then the froggy elbow on Jay, but just to end it off with the J Driller was such a great uh, fitting tribute to his brother, Jay Briscoe. And also, another uh, thing to note on this is that Jay Briscoe's birthday was on Wednesday, which AEW Dynamite did have. And so it was only poetic for that episode to be dedicated to Jay Briscoe with the video package, with his brother uh, being out there. And I'm glad Tony Khan was actually able to make that match happen, make Mark Briscoe, uh, show up on AEW Dynamite this week because again it's already been documented um, every new wrestling outlet has basically said in some way form or fashion how somebody from Warner Media, the company that uh, distributes AEW who is like TNT, TBS like the people that shows AEW here, not the people that owns it but people that shows AEW because they're in a working business agreement with Tony Khan here they told Tony that they could not have the Briscoes on AEW television numerous times in 2022 because Tony Khan wanted to bring the Briscoes in and they will always shut him down. And now with Jay Briscoe having passed away last week, it was only fitting for his brother to show up here and actually have a match here to show dedication. So I was happy that Tony Khan was actually able to get that done. And the fans were happy that Tony was able to get that done because you heard thank you Tony at the beginning of the match and the fans show their gratitude for Tony Khan in this and you heard people just uh shout the name Jay Briscoe in the match as well and you saw the love and admiration that even people in the back the wrestlers have for Jay Briscoe because after the match 
Um, Jay Lethal would leave the ring. He would go up the ramp where all the other wrestlers from AEW were out there that had a close connection with Jay Briscoe. They'll be standing there applauding both Jay Lethal and Mark Briscoe. Jay Wynn goes up the ramp and he's being met by his friend Sandy Dutton. You could just see him start crying and Sandy Dutton's shoulder. Mark Briscoe would leave the ring. He has both the Ring of Honor uh, tag team titles. And he just walks up the ramp. He gets hugged by different members of the roster. And he just is embracing this. And he just dedicates that match to his brother. And it's heartwarming just to see that. So, also, one more thing before I go off to Impact Wrestling here. Um, They did release the Jay Briscoe tribute show on YouTube for the Ring of Honor YouTube page. It's a three-hour show. It's chronicalizing... Some of Jay Briscoe's best matches in Ring of Honor, and he also has people from the AEW roster who has past dealings with Jay Briscoe talking about Jay Briscoe. And it's just a good show so far. I'm in the first hour of it, and I'm going to try to make the rest, watch the rest of it as uh, today goes and going into the end of this week. So I'm going to try to watch the rest of it. So I would implore anybody that enjoys professional wrestling. Uh, to watch that tribute show to Jay Briscoe is free on YouTube on the Ring of Honor page and is up. Now, one more thing before I do go over to the Impact uh, highlights. I do want to mention that Caprice Coleman did meet up with Mark Briscoe at the airport and he did get some words from Mark Briscoe talking about family and how he's holding up. And I would be remiss if I didn't play that on this podcast. So without further ado, here's the man himself, Mark Briscoe. Hi. Y'all already know family is beyond, been beyond important to me, my life. 23 years, me and my brother been riding the roads, making towns, hitting different countries, you know what I mean? And ain't no way that I've been wanting to do this for this long if I ain't had my boy with me the whole time. But now, it's time to carry on for him. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying? Family is beyond, beyond, uh, uh, this is, this life is temporary. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Temporal. Let's focus on the internal, not the temporal. My brother ain't here with me. I I brought my my beautiful wife with me, but uh, my brother ain't here with me as he normally has been, normally would be. But he's still with me right here, and he ain't gone. If I thought he was gone, then I wouldn't be no good. I know he ain't gone. I know he just moved on to the next higher level of existence. So, you know what I mean? That's what keeps me pushing forward. And with that, that is your AEW Dynamite Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, off to Impact Wrestling, we will open up with an X-Division Championship matchup of the champion Trey Miguel going against Mike Jackson. Trey Miguel would win the match by pinfall by hitting the lightning spiral for the win. After the match, Trey will go under the ring to get spray paint, but quickly moves away because Crazy Steve will come from underneath the ring. Steve will lock his eyes on the X-Division Championship that's in the ring, and Steve and Trey will get in the ring, and Trey would grab his championship. Steve would then take off his shirt and unveil his body that has Trey's name written all over it multiple times. Trey would look terrified by this, and Steve would pull a can of spray paint out and spray Trey Miguel's symbol on himself. Trey would then leave the ring and start walking up the ramp, but he's then met by Black Tarus. And so Trey's now stuck between Black Tarus and Crazy Steve, so Trey would decide to jump off the ramp and walk to the back throughout the crowd. So, again, we're building for Trey Miguel to have his match with Crazy Steve instead of Black Tarus this time since he's been, well, since he beat uh, Black Tarus at the last pay-per-view, but on the pre-show. Now, after this, we had the good hands, which are John Schuyler and Jason Hotch going against Kevin Knight and Kushida. Kushida and Knight would win the match by submission when Kushida would lock in the hoverboard lock on Jason Hotch and make him tap out. Now, after this, we have the Knockouts Tag Team Championship matchup here of the Death Dolls, Taya Valkyrie, and Havoc with Rosemary in their corner. Going against Giselle Shaw and a mystery partner, and their mystery partner ends up being Tara, or formerly known as Victoria in WWE. Death Dolls would win the match by pinfall, thanks to Giselle Shaw's own ego getting in the way. Giselle, not one time in this match, would tag in Tara at any point, leading to people in the crowd chanting that they want Tara, and Dizelle would play into it by acting that she's going to tag in Tara, but instead she would walk over to Tara and flip her off. This would then lead to Tara getting in the ring and 
grabbing Giselle and telling her that she is her tag partner and she deserves some respect. Giselle would tell Tara to get her retired butt out of the ring and she would place hands on Tara. This would make Tara hit Giselle with the Widow's Peak. Then Tara would leave the ring. And Havoc would come in and hit the sick driver on Giselle and then cover her for the win. Now, after this, we had the major players going against Bullet Club's Ace Austin and Chris Bay. Ace and Bay would win the match by pinfall when they get Matt Cardona in a crazy-looking pinfall. I mean, you first see Chris Bay get Cardona in a pin, and then Ace Austin realizes that he is the actual legal guy, so he has to take over for that crazy-looking pin into his own crazy style looking pin and he ends up pinning Matt Cardona. Now after the match the digital media champion Joe Henry will come out on the entrance stage and let Matt Cardona know that he accepts his challenge for the digital media championship. Henry would say that Matt Cardona lately has been feeling envious of Henry because no one is talking about him. They are talking about Dancing Moose which again for people that don't know is Joe Henry's uh, parody song that he made of Moose when Moose was challenging him for the Digital Media Championship. So, Joe Henry would tell Matt Cardona that he shouldn't feel left out and he decided that he made Matt Cardona a song. And the main gist of the song is that he calls Matt Cardona, and this is Joe Henry's words, not mine, he calls Matt Cardona Edge's bitch. And the reason why he says this is because Matt Cardona, everybody knows him for being with Edge, whenever he was with WWE in the late 2000s. So that's what Matt Cardona's big claim to fame is. No longer that he's the guy who made riches off of being on the independents. No, 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 no. His claim to fame will always be Edge's bitch. So that would infuriate Matt Cardona here. And Joe Henry just humiliated Matt Cardona. And that was Joe Henry's big plan here. Now, after this, we had Jonathan Gresham going against Sheldon Jean. Jonathan Gresham would win the match by pinfall when he hyper-extends the knee of Jean and then forearms him in the back of the head that covers him for the win. Now, it's time for the main event. is a six-man elimination match where the winner will be facing Josh Alexander at No Surrender for the Impact World Championship. The competitors in this match are Moose, Rhino, Rich Swan, Chris Sabin, Callahan, and Eddie Edwards. The first person to be eliminated was Rhino when Moose would hit him with a spear and Callahan would cover him for the win. Well, at least for the elimination. Eddie Edwards would be next. When PCO would come out to distract Eddie Edwards, this would allow Chris Saban to get Eddie in an inside cradle pin and this would eliminate Eddie Edwards. Chris Saban was next when Moose would hit him with a spear, cover him, this eliminates Chris Saban. Moose was next when Moose would grab Rich Swan by his leg and Rich would quickly grab Moose by Moose's own legs, flip Moose over, and pin him, and Moose is now eliminated. And the final person to be eliminated was Callahan, when Rich Swan would hit Callahan with a spinning heel kick to the head, and then hit a 450 splash from the second turnbuckle, cover Callahan for the win, so Rich Swan is now your new number one contender, and he will be facing Josh Alexander at No Surrender for the Impact World Championship. Now, after the match, the design would get in the ring, and Diener would instruct Callahan to attack Rich, and Rich Swan would go over to Callahan and try to make him come to his senses, because throughout the match, the commentators would uh, play up the fact that Rich Swan and Callahan do have some past history with each other. They've known each other since they were teenagers, so Callahan is now in a bad spot, and Rich is just trying to help his friend out here. So as you can tell, Rich is talking to Callahan. The design would attack Rich Swan, and this would make Yuya Yumura, Frankie Kazarian, and Josh Alexander run down to the ring, beat up on the design, and save Rich Swan here. So the final scene that you see of Impact is the design leaving the ring with Rich Swan, Yuya Yumura, Frankie Kazarian, and Josh Alexander standing tall in the ring. And with that, that is your Impact Wrestling wrestling highlights of the week now we're off to smackdown first thing to note next week on smackdown we will have charlotte flair going against sonya deville for the smackdown women's championship i said that they will probably have that match at the royal rumble so as you can tell i was wrong so i want to let that be known right here and uh yeah let's start the show on smackdown smackdown will open up with the usos and solo pulling up into the building and as solo and jimmy uso will walk into the building jay uso will be stopped by Sami Zayn, who's wearing a black hoodie Jay will look stressed by telling Sammy that he needs to 
believe he's not supposed to be here. He's going against Roman's orders. Sammy would tell Jay that he knows this, but he wanted to tell Jay to his face that he appreciates what he did for him at the tribal court and what he did meant the world to him. And whatever Jay needs for him to do, he's got him. Jay will say okay and tell Sammy to leave. But later in the night, Kevin Owens would be attacked by the Usos when he was uh, conducting a backstage interview. And then that would make the Usos have to be escorted out of the building. So you would see Jay Uso get on the phone and call up Sami Zayn and he tells Sami that he needs a favor for him. So we'll have to see what that favor would be towards the main event of the show, which is Kevin Owens versus Solo Sokoa. But I'll get to that whenever the main event rolls up. Now, after this, we will have Rey Mysterio going against Karrion Cross, who has Scarlet in his corner. Rey Mysterio would win the match by pinfall when Cross would get Rey in the air for a move, but Rey would reverse it into a crucifix pin for the win. So Rey Mysterio gets some momentum going into the Royal Rumble. After this, Austin Theory would come down to the ring. And Theory would start off by saying the champ is here, mocking John Cena. And we could probably be setting up a match between both John Cena and Austin Theory probably towards WrestleMania because um, they've been building this up since like Cena's 20th anniversary last year on Monday Night Raw. He had a uh, segment with Austin Theory and Theory just basically uh, verbalized John Cena there. You have the John Cena um, WWE 2K23 commercials and He's beating up on Theory, and Theory's beating him up on some of those commercials. So they're kind of slowly putting in place that John Cena could be going against Theory at Mania, at least in my personal opinion, where I think this could be leading to. But it just could be just uh, everybody seeing the connection between Theory and John. So it is what it is. We'll have to wait and see as Mania uh, rolls around if those two will actually have a match. But I digress. Theory with Peacock about retaining his United States Championship on Monday Night Raw. And then the New Day would come out. The New Day would poo-poo on Theory's idea of him winning the Rumble. They will say they are going to win the Rumble. Because when one member of the New Day wins the Rumble, everybody wins. So it doesn't matter whether it's Xavier or Kofi, the New Day is going to win the Rumble. Theory would take offense to this by saying he is the biggest star in WWE. And this will lead to The Miz coming out. The Miz would refute what Theory just said about being the biggest star in the WWE, and Miz would say that he's the biggest star and that he is going to win the Rumble by tossing 29 other men over the ropes. And then this would lead to a brawl between the New Day, Theory, and The Miz. Uh, Bobby Lashley would come out, he would decimate all four men, and then he would get the mic and he would say since Brock Lesnar interrupted his match on Raw 30, he's going to terrorize the men in the Rumble and win the match. Brock would then appear from the crowd, get in the ring behind Bobby, and hit him with an F5. Brock would then get a mic, and he would declare himself to be in the Royal Rumble and tell Bobby that he'll see him at the Rumble. So Brock is now in the Royal Rumble, and we're probably going to see Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar uh, face off at the Rumble, which would be cool. Now, after this, we get the re-debut of Lacey Evans here. This is her second re-debut in a wrestling whole calendar year. Hopefully, this one sticks here. Um, she goes against Jasmine Allure. Lacey Evans would win the match by submission by applying the Cobra Clutch on Jasmine, and Jasmine would tap out. After the match, Lacey would get the mic and announce herself into the Women's Royal Rumble, and then after the announcement, she would pick Jasmine up and throw her out of the ring to demonstrate how she's going to do all the other ladies in the Royal Rumble. Now, after this, we were supposed to get the semifinals matchup for the SmackDown Tag Team Tournament between the teams of Hit Row and Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. But the Viking Raiders would attack Drew and Sheamus during their entrance. So Sheamus and Drew would decide to forfeit their spot in the tournament so they can go after the Vikings. Now, Hit Row think they're going to have an automatic finalist spot in the tournament since his since their competitors basically forfeited. Adam Pearce will come out and squash that idea and introduce Drew and Sheamus' replacement team, which would be Ricochet and Braun Strowman. Ricochet and Braun would win the match by pinfall when Ricochet would fly out of the ring and hit top dollar as Braun Strowman would powerbomb Ashanti Diodonis for the win. So Ricochet and Braun Strowman are now in the final spot for the tournament. After this, we would get LA Knight coming down to the ring dressed up like Bray Wyatt, the OG version, the cult leader. Knight would provoke Bray and talk about what happened at Raw 30. Knight would mention that neither Undertaker or Bray wanted a piece of him. So Knight would tell Bray that 
Bray Wyatt can bring any version of himself to the Rumble, and it won't matter because he is going to destroy him. This will lead to Bray Wyatt's logo flashing, the lights going black, and then it pops back on. Bray is on the stage, sitting on his rocking chair, and he basically tells Knight that he can laugh it up and, and party up all tonight because tomorrow at the Red Rumble, he's going to get what he wanted. He wants Bray Wyatt. He's going to get him, and he's not going to like what he sees. So that's basically the interaction here between Bray Wyatt and uh, L.A. Knight. Also, Uncle Howdy, he would appear in one of the like luxury boxes in the auditorium. So that's probably an interesting clue. Of Uncle Howdy is more than likely going to be playing a uh, pivotal part in the Lights Out match between Bray and L.A. Knight. It's going to be interesting to see if Uncle Howdy is going to either A, join with Bray, or either B, uh, just stab Bray like in the back. We'll just have to wait and see at the Rumble. Now, after this, we'll get the other semifinals of the SmackDown Tag Team Tournament. It is Imperium going against Legato Del Fantasma. Imperium would win the match by pinfall by hitting the Imperial Bomb, which is a powerbomb uppercut combo on Joaquin Wilde for the win. Next week, Imperium will be facing Braun and Ricochet in the finals of the tournament, and the winners will be the number one contenders for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Now it's time for the main event. Kevin Owens going against Solo Sokoa. This match would get thrown out once Kevin Owens hits Solo Sokoa with a swanton bomb that covers him. Sammy would appear out of nowhere and pull Solo Sokoa out of the ring. And you can see Kevin Owens looking at Sammy. And then you see Kevin Owens leave the ring and he grabs Solo, throw him into the steel steps. Kevin Owens would walk up on Sammy. Sammy would fall to the floor and start moving back from Kevin Owens. Solo would get up and attack Kevin Owens, looking to put him through the commentary table, but Kevin Owens would beat up on Solo some more, and they hit Solo with a pop-up powerbomb on the commentary table, but the table does not break. So, Kevin Owens would get a chair, look at Sami Zayn, and tell Sami point-blank, once he beats Roman Reigns, they, meaning the bloodline, are going to use this, and he points at the steel chair, on Sami Zayn. So he tells Sammy that, yeah, once I beat Roman, you're going to get beat up with the steel chair by the bloodline. So he's trying to warn Sammy of his future. Kevin Owens would then hit Solo in the back with the chair, and then Solo would fall over the barricade into the crowd. And that's how SmackDown ends with Kevin Owens walking up the ramp, going to the back, and Sammy Zayn is just standing there with this look of disbelief because he might be thinking Kevin Owens is right. If I screw up or... If anything bad happens at the Rumble, I'm more likely going to get beat up by the bloodline with the steel chair or just get beat up in general by the bloodline. So we'll just have to see when the Rumble time happens, if Sami Zayn is going to help Roman or is he going to be on the lookout for his own self and turn on Roman Reigns and help out Kevin Owens. Time will tell with the Rumble. With that, that is your SmackDown Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now off to AEW Rampage. Rampage will open up with Hangman Page going against Wheeler Yuta. Hangman would win the match by pinfall when he hits Yuta with the Paradigm Shift after already hitting him with the Buckshot Lariat. He just wanted to add a little bit of uh, ego into the pin because next week on Dynamite, Hangman will be going against John Moxley. This will be their third match between uh, both men. And for Hangman beating Wheeler Yuta, who is a stable mate of John Moxley. He wanted to send a message to Moxley here with that. After this, we have the trios match of the best friends and Danhausen with Orange Cassidy in their corner, going against Jay Lethal, Jeff Jarrett, and Satnam Singh with Sanjay Dutt in their corner. Jay, Jeff, and Satnam would win the match by pinfall when Jeff Jarrett would hit Danhausen with Paul Hauser's Golden Globe Award that they took away from the actor two weeks ago on Rampage, and Jeff would hit Danhausen with it and Sodom will cover Danhausen for the win. Now, after this, we have Powerhouse Hobbs going against Tony Mudd. Powerhouse would win the match by pinfall by hitting the Burning Hammer, which is basically you have somebody on your shoulders and you have them in the position for the torture rack, but you would hit a frontward slam for the win. So that's basically the Burning Hammer. And now for the main event, Jamie Hayter with Britt Baker and Rebel in her corner. Going against Emmy Sakura. Jamie would win the match by pinfall by first hitting a wicked clothesline on Sakura, then hitting Haterade for the win. This was a solid match between Hater and Sakura. I would 
suggest you watch it if you like women's wrestling. You will not be uh, disappointed in it. And that is your Rampage Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, before I get you guys out of here, since the Royal Rumble is tonight, I want to just give my predictions for the Royal Rumble. Let's start off with the Raw Women's Championship matchup. Bianca Belair going against Alexa Bliss. I think Bianca Belair is going to retain her Raw Women's Championship. Against Alexa, I think they're going to have Bianca hold on to the Raw Women's Championship until WrestleMania, and then she'll have, well, basically held the championship for a whole calendar year. And who she'll be going against, I'll get to that in a minute. Um, after this, the Universal Undisputed Championship between Roman and Kevin Owens. I think Roman's going to win this. I don't think they're going to give uh, Kevin Owens the win here. I think Roman is going to retain his uh, championships here. I think Sammy's going to help Roman Reigns just to prove that he's still useful to the bloodline. And I think somewhere down the line, pretty uh, sooner rather than later, Roman's going to get tired of Sammy because Sammy constantly does not follow what Roman uh, has been telling him to do. At the beginning of the situation, Sammy was the perfect lap dog. He would do everything Roman told him to do. But now, since he's getting more and more uh, rank in the bloodline, if you will, at first, Jay hated him. So Roman always had somebody on his side in the miss. If he wanted to take Sammy out, he always had Jay that was willing to do it. But now since Jay is cool with Sammy and Jimmy's cool with Sammy, Roman's starting to lose some power over that. I can see Roman going to uh, kick Sammy out sooner rather than later, even though he's going to help him here. I see Roman just basically doing that uh, sooner rather than later. But Sammy's going to help Roman here, and Roman's going to retain his undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Uh, the Mountain Dew pitch black match, I think Bray Wyatt is going to win this. If they don't have Bray win this, I'm going to be... Not shocked if he loses to L.A. Knight getting help from an Uncle Howdy or somebody else. Now, if Bray Wyatt loses straight up just clean, no interference from anybody else, then I'm going to be shocked by it. But if Bray loses because of interference, I won't be shocked by this because they're still protecting Bray Wyatt, the character and the guy. But if I had it my way, I would have Bray Wyatt win the match. So I'm going with Bray Wyatt here. Now for the Women's Royal Rumble match. So far, they only got 12 uh, women announced. They have Liv Morgan, Candice LeRae, Rhea Ripley, Raquel Rodriguez, Shayna Baszler, Selena Vega, Emma, Bailey, Dakota Kai, Eos Guy, Lacey Evans, and Zia Lee announced. And going just off those 12, if it's me, I'm going with me personally. I want to see Bailey win this. So Bailey can challenge Charlotte for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And then we'll more than likely get Rhea Ripley going against Bianca Belair at WrestleMania, both of those matches happening. If Bailey does not win, give it off to Rhea Ripley. Those are my two picks, but my first pick off top is Bailey because Bailey needs it. Rhea Ripley's in a uh dominant faction right now uh with Judgment Day. They're getting plenty of screen time. She's being the manipulator of Dominic. Her and Dominic's whole thing of mommy and Dom Dom is working and making people hate Dominic a lot. And she's just not riding away, but she's an integral point to that whole structure being the way it is with Judgment Day. So Rhea's in a good shape, but for her to finally get her match with Bianca Belair that she was supposed to get at Money in the Bank, it would behoove them to either give Bailey or Rhea the win. But in the end, I don't care which one of those two win. If it's one of those two, I'll be happy with it. If it's not one of those two, I'm going to question uh, why. But in the end, I want both of these ladies to have a match at Mania for their respective championships. Bailey going over to SmackDown, challenging Charlotte, and getting that match. And if we get Bailey winning this Rumble, she will now be able to complete the dynasty that has been set from the NXT Four Horsewomen, which were Charlotte, Sasha Banks, and Becky. All three of these ladies have already a main event at WrestleMania. And Bailey, who was the fourth. Horsewomen in that NXT uh, women's horse for horsewomen's uh, situation here. She's the only woman out of those four that has not main evented a WrestleMania yet. So I feel that he should give Bailey that opportunity to do that by winning this Rumble here, going against Charlotte, and more than likely probably even beating Charlotte so she can have her WrestleMania moment that she has never had yet. That's for me. But that's the only way if 
I were to uh, book this thing. But for me, I'm going with Bailey. If not, Rhea Ripley, my second. Now for the men's Royal Rumble. Uh, only so far, 19 competitors have been listed. We have so far Kofi Kingston, Santos Escobar, Ricochet, Austin Theory, Seth Frickin' Rollins, Bobby Lashley, Baron Corbin, Rey Mysterio, Gunther, Cody Rhodes, Omos, Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, Braun Strowman, Karrion Cross, Dominic Mysterio, Xavier Woods, The Miz, and Brock Lesnar. Now, all out of all these people that have been named so far, the runner that everybody sees winning is Cody Rhodes because they've been pitching that for some time now since Cody came back after, well, at Mania, but since he's made his site being known the night after Mania when he talked in the ring. Uh, I can see them giving this to Cody. And if they don't give this to Cody, I can see Sami Zayn probably coming up in here and coming close to winning it, but I don't see him as my runner-up. Um, i just going to completely go with it. I'm just going with Cody Rhodes, period. I'm going with Cody. There's no runner-up for me. I don't know who else is going to win it if not Cody because I don't think they want to give Sami that uh, match with Roman, personally. I don't, but it would be poetic if they do. But I don't see it happening. So Cody Rhodes is my pick for this. I have no runner-up for the men's rumble like I have for the females rumble. Now, I do have some surprises in my personal opinion. I think for the men's uh, rumble, they should have the NXT champion Braun Breaker be up here. And I think they should have Carmelo Hayes, both the guys that are future prospects to be going up to the main roster. Braun Braun more fast than Carmelo because I feel they want to give Carmelo the NXT championship run that he deserves while Braun is going to go up to the main roster and have Melo carry the NXT roster for some time before he drops the title. Then he makes his way up to the main roster as he's supposed to, because Melo is a uh, must see talent that you can see them already grooming him to be the guy for NXT in friend. He goes to the main roster. You can see them grooming him to be a one-on-one superstar to look after and look forward to when he hits the main roster with Carmelo. Same thing with Braun. Let's not get it twisted. Braun is the Steiner's kid, and he knows what he's doing in that ring, even though he's only been in the business literally for, what, a year, personally, on television? Yeah, a year and a couple months on television. So, Braun Breaker, I can see them pulling him up to the main roster within the next couple months when he drops the NXT title. So, those are my two surprise picks from the NXT brand, who I think they might be showing up at the Royal Rumble. But with that, those are my Royal Rumble predictions. I hope you guys have a great Saturday. Please be careful. I hope you guys tune into the Royal Rumble uh, event on Peacock because I will be giving a review of the Royal Rumble tomorrow along with my Sunday episode as well. So always watch out for the two episodes on Sunday tomorrow. And uh, yeah, have a good Saturday. Please be safe. Please be careful. Don't be a dick. Be nice to everyone that you come in contact with and just be careful out there, okay? Now, with that being said, this is a goodbye. This is until you hear from the sweet sounding words again. He is I, and I am him. I have been G2. This has been Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast. I love you all. I thank you. And Kanye, could you please take these people home? I'm tired. You tired. Uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.